Hi, everyone. This is Jules, your host of the All Things Ison podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. I sat down with Helga Christine Torvadotter. She is a geologist and is currently pursuing her PhD in volcanology and petrology with a focus on structures of magma chambers. Additionally, she is a glacier guide, a model, and drives really big cars. <laughs> so basically those modified cars that you might see in pictures about Iceland if you haven't been to Iceland. And if you have been here, you might have seen them on the streets, which are insane because it's like seeing cars from a monster truck rally or something like that just driving down the road. So she's definitely got an awesome combination of different talents, and I was quite excited to interview her. I came across Helga on Instagram, where her handle is geology underscore with underscore Helga, and I was instantly stunned by her awesome photos, especially the one of her in a spacesuit. And if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's so cool. Along with that, she has really informative posts. And that's what drew me in. So it's like, okay, the awesome photos make you stop and look. And then when you read the caption, you're like, wow, this is so interesting and different than what I'm normally hearing about on Instagram, mainly because I'm not following anybody who's specifically talking about geology besides her, of course. And I think she uses the platform really well to make geology fun. I've learned a lot since I've started following her, which has been a while. And there have even been times when I didn't completely understand what she was talking about, mainly because this is not a field that I am that familiar with. But her passion for the topic made it interesting to watch. Plus, she's out in nature often, so you're getting to tag along with an expert as she's explaining how certain landscapes have formed, how things are changing, when earthquakes are happening here in the country, she's explaining about that. And I'm excited for when a volcano erupts here because she will be on site giving us all the details. And while it is somewhat kind of cool to think about like going up close to a volcano eruption, I think I might just end up enjoying it from afar through Helga's eyes. <laughs> so if you are on Instagram, I highly recommend following her. Just a side note too, we did the interview virtually, which distorted the audio a little, so I apologize for that in advance. I'm working on getting some better software in order to do more virtual interview sessions because that's just kind of how things are going with the whole coronavirus outbreak and we're having another surge in cases here, so such is life. Before I jump into the interview, I would like to give a shout out to Melton and Mark. They recently became members of the Ausgardur tier in the All Things Iceland community on Patreon. Each month, members in that tier get a shout out on the podcast, as well as that tier gets a gift from me, something that was made in Iceland, sent to them wherever they are in the world. Additionally, I've started doing Folklore Friday on Patreon, which means that I share a fascinating Icelandic folklore story every week. That content is available to all patrons in all of the tiers. So if you're interested in joining and you like the sound of that kind of content, which, like I mentioned in my previous episode, my content on Patreon is exclusive to there. 
so I won't be putting it in other places. So if you are interested in joining, you could check out patreon.com forward slash all things Iceland. There will, of course, be a link to that in the show notes of this episode. So, Helga, thank you for joining me to talk about geology and volcanology today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. And I'm excited because I've been following you on Instagram and learning a lot, <laughs> which is okay, awesome. <laughs> and I'm just curious, just to get a little background about you, what made you interested in studying these topics? Um, it was quite obvious when I was just a little kid that I would go into some sort of science because I was always outside playing in nature and uh, like my my family comes from science too okay so so yeah there there wasn't really a question about it but whether what topic of science was more um, what I had to figure out so I I was a lot into uh, biology astrology uh, anatomy all sort of things and Mm -hmm. as soon as I went into the first uh, geology class in high school I realized oh yeah here all my interests combined <laughs> <laughs> so it's like was from that point that I knew okay I'm gonna go into geology awesome and is you said your family are, are scientists so are any of them in geology or are they in different fields of science no like the, I'm, I'm the first in, in my okay. big family <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> so it's like passed on to the generations of at least interest in science yeah, or like now a lot of my family members are getting really into geology through me. So they're yeah. like, maybe I should quit what I'm doing and just go into geology. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're sparking this interest in a lot of people, actually, through what you're doing. So Yeah, I, I like, I like uh, having an impact of any kind. So hearing that people are learning is just like my goal. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I think, like, I remember when I was first introduced to geology, probably in middle school, and it just, the way it was presented was so boring, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I think that's one of the problems is this, like, learning can be mm-hmm. so much fun. And in your case, I mean, you're able to go out into the field, and you're also surrounded yeah. by, you know, exactly. such beautiful landscapes. So it's a lot nicer of an introduction for you, <laughs> for sure. Mm, yeah. And then also, the t- depending on the teacher too, because it's like first impression of the topic really plays a role. And I had a really awesome teacher in high school. And nice. now I'm teaching a lot. So, so maybe I'm influencing students to go further into science. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. And can you share some background information on the geology in Iceland and what makes it unique? Well, basically, it's just one big pile of volcanism (laughs) it's uh it's very interesting to see like if you have uh, a bathymetric map of the atlantic ocean you see that ridge coming up between africa and america and then further up it's between europe and greenland Uh, it's like a spine and all of a sudden on top of that uh ridge is iceland which is kind of weird yeah why wouldn't we have islands on the ridge somewhere else uh and that's because we have a mantle plume underneath here which is still a big question mark why it's there and um, and what will happen to it in the future 
Okay. But it's sort of providing a lot of volcanism and material for Iceland, for Iceland to be here. And for example, Faroe Islands uh, and North Ireland uh, was provided material from this plume. Mm. So the spreading, of course, is continuing. Um, so if we would all of a sudden turn off this mantle plume underneath Iceland, eventually it would spread into two directions, forming two islands. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we're filling in the gap constantly, so so we're not stretching apart. Right, yeah. So that's the, basically it's like the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, right? It's like, yeah. yeah. And I think that's like with most extends. people. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and it's so common to go on Think Redlid and be like, oh, I'm touching two continents. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you would really have to have seven kilometer long hands for you to be able to touch two continents. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it's not possible, is that what you're <laughs> Yeah, well, if you're diving in silver or snorkeling, you're just in a stretch mark within mm. this rift. <laughs> Okay, well, that's good to know, though, because I, I feel like yeah. that gets um, marketed <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And it's easy to fall into it if you don't know the landscape as an expert, mm -hmm. you know, or just have an introduction yeah. to like, yeah, that's well, it's it's nice like a to white think of it. Lie. Yeah, yeah. It's true, but not really. So, yeah, yeah you, you, could, you could think if you will, you know. <laughs> yeah, so Let's busting, just say that. <laughs> yeah, busting some myths, but also allowing people to live their dream of touching two continents if they want to feel that way. Yeah, if they're <laughs> so. happy about it, then yeah, sure, you're touching two continents. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, and you're a PhD candidate, and I'm just kind of curious about the focus of your research and your dissertation. Yeah, I'm focusing on what's going on underneath the volcanoes, deep under um, in the crust, uh, how the magma chambers are structured and how they evolve. So I'm focusing on two volcanoes, okay. uh, one being Öræfajökull in southeast, and then the other one is Berenberg on Jan Mayen, a small remote island, uh, very north of Iceland. Okay. So um, I've sampled a bunch of samples. So if we take, for example, Öræfajökull, I have at least five different eruptions. And I'm comparing, um, so the thing is, I'm looking at the crystals uh, of each eruption. And the crystals, they tell a story and have different chemical composition. Uh, and I'm able to plot those into equations, which where I eventually get to know at what depth these crystals started to grow. Okay. And if I see a bunch of crystals starting to grow at seven kilometers, for example, that means there's a pocket of magma there or maybe a magma chamber. So by doing this to every single eruption that I have from each volcano, I sort of get the overview like, oh, wait, all the crystals are at seven kilometers from all the eruptions. There's something going on at seven kilometers. Right, yeah. And then I, of course, need to look into more factors. This is just like a brief description, okay. <laughs> elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, looking into magma mixing and all sort of stuff. Okay. And how did, did you choose which volcanoes you were studying? Or was that something like, okay, these aren't being looked at as much. Maybe that's good to go there. Like what was, how, was, how did yeah. that get determined? Well, 
both really or like uh, it hasn't been studied a lot because it's been dormant and people just mm. like ignore it okay. but all of a sudden in 2017 it started to pick up seismic activity and there were some melting below the ice so what that's what was that magma or geothermal water mm-hmm. and so it's important that we study Urdavajökull in detail before the next eruption because it's warming up. And okay. also Berenberg on the Anmayan and Urdavajökull are quite similar, so it's just good to compare them, I guess. Yeah. Okay, fascinating. And are you going out and doing field research all throughout the year, or is it just like summertime? Like, is there a specific season? I guess that's probably easier, I would assume. Yeah, summer definitely. Okay. Because and like once it's snowed and frozen, you can't really see anything really. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in it. Yeah. Okay. And getting to these places, are you using like these, uh, well, they call them super cheap nice and but like the, you know, the, the cars that are kind of more equipped for getting on this landscape. Like what is it? How is yeah, it? Yeah, well, it depends on like where I'm doing field work. I'm not necessarily always working on Örevjökull. I'm also in other projects here and okay. there. Uh, during the summer and then we definitely need very modified jeeps to get to some areas yeah uh, but <laughs> easy to get to Örevjökull it's just the ring road yeah and okay hiking or being dropped off by a helicopter on the <laughs> glacier there or on the flanks is <laughs> that's pretty nice <laughs> so, like, <Yeah. laughs> so is that all part of like your like budget, you're like, oh, I just need a helicopter today to be like dropped off on this, <laughs> this volcano. Like, yes and no. Sometimes you're like, just give them a wink, like, hey, can you drop me off? It's just around the corner. They're like, oh. <laughs> <It's just> around- <laughs> <laughs> that is so fascinating. Okay. <laughs> I guess you have connections. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. That helps at least. Yeah. And then knowing farmers, because you sometimes have to get on the land, like, hey, can we do some digging here? They're like, sure. And you explain to them the geology and they just like get fascinated about about what we're doing. So they're like, yeah, sure. Happy to help you, you know. Awesome. But funny thing is to get to Yang Mayan, that's another whole level because they don't let anyone on the island unless you have a lot of paperwork because it's wow. just the Norwegian military there. Wow. So I had okay. to be escorted by the Norwegian military in a Hercules uh, plane. What? And then they just picked me up two weeks later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And do you <laughs> stay on the base? Island. Uh, they, they have like a military base and then I stayed there for a few days and then they dropped me off in some huts with my two other geologists that I was working at. Okay. working with uh, no electricity no running water yeah just quite, uh, <laughs> raw but it was so nice it's kind of cool being there yeah. because you're just by yourself totally unplugged mm. yeah doing research okay that is fascinating yeah i wasn't expecting yeah. it to be so isolated um for that particular project oh. yeah okay and the island is literally in the middle of nowhere <laughs> And during your research um, or field study, have you ever found something that was unexpected or you're like, whoa, this is super cool that you just, you know, were, I don't know, just weren't like thinking would come up? Yeah, all the time. 
all the time. You you definitely have an idea of how your research is going to be and what you're about to find, but it can always take a big U-turn. And especially once you start to work on your samples, uh, plot them in, into equations and see the composition, the chemical composition, you're like, whoa, okay, I did not expect that. And then you get a lot of unanswered questions and you're thinking, okay, maybe I need to just do a separate paper on this. It is mm. quite crazy. Or, yeah, it's, it, you never end up with the idea you started out with, basically. Okay. Which makes it more fun, I'm guessing, in some ways. <laughs> yeah, it can be like really interesting, but then it's like, oh, wow, I just opened up for a lot of questions that I'm not able to answer right now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And then how do you go about saying, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely go down this road if there's so many questions to potentially answer, right? Like trying to answer too many of them that either you can't get information for or would take a long time to kind of, you know, more research or whatever else. How do you make that? Yeah. Well, oh, it's, it's very tricky. Like um, sometimes you have to work around it. Maybe yeah, do a separate paper on it, like mm -hmm. focus on that particular strange question that was all of a sudden new yeah. uh, and sometimes you just have to take a different turn with the whole project you have to update it quite often like you have an idea in the beginning and then it's just yeah you end up with something else and maybe it's gonna be too much of work like it's like a snowball effect yeah so then you have to be like okay what's worth it for maybe i'll just do this in postdoc you know mm -hmm. Okay. And where are you in your, your PhD study? Like, are you nearing towards the end? Are you the beginning, middle? Um, so middle, beginning. Uh, I've okay. done one year and I expect to be three years. It could probably extend up to three and a half or four, also because of COVID. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and we are sort of now, like, uh, in between deciding on what, turn we have to take based on I have so much sample maybe we have to filter out uh, because I, I've worked too much it seems like if, if I'm gonna go on this path I might be very long so so yeah making like a rash like good decision of um, uh, if we should overdo it or simplify it and mm -hmm. then do the overdone part later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a good problem to have in a way, right? It's like it's yeah, better to have guess, yeah. more than not enough. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But now I just have too much that I'm like, oh, I'm just seeing clutter. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Understandable. And for people, yeah. <laughs> for people that are interested in seeing the country's spectacular geology, because like when you get here, you're already witnessing it yeah. right you might not know exactly mm -hmm. what you're looking at but i'm just curious about where you recommend for people to visit if they really want to get like spectacular um features and and just immersing in the geology that iceland has to offer that is so unique well to begin with when you land in keplavik you are in a very active zone where you have a bunch of lava Mm -hmm. And uh, we, of course, had this activity in Grindavik uh, earlier this year. So we will an expect an eruption on the Reykjanes Peninsula 
sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. But I always recommend the south coast if you are traveling to Iceland and have limited amount of time mm-hmm. because you see the most uh, in the shortest time possible if you do the south coast and golden circle and all that. Yeah. But if you have like two weeks, then definitely just go around the island because the east and the west is completely different than the south, for yeah, example. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And, and Reykjanes Peninsula, like what you were talking about, I mean, I love that area because it is almost like, I feel like it's unfortunate that it's missed by so many people. And it's so, it's yeah. literally right there. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's so beautiful. I mean, you can get black sand beaches there. You can, you know, see rhyolite type colors yeah. and stuff. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, it's just I, like a drive-by. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's so easy. Like the, the road yeah. around there is you know, like, it's one path basically for the most part. Um, yeah, and close to Reykjavik, it's just like a one day you could spend, and then yeah, exactly, it's, it's easy. In terms of the difference though between west and east, are there like some very distinct differences geology-wise um, between the formations that you would find in these different regions? Well, not really uh, visually, but geologically, it is a bit different. So, if we think of the Mid-Atlantic Grid that extends up on land it's sort of in the middle of the country mm-hmm. so as it grows it symmetrically gets older to the east and the west mm. uh, so the oldest part is in the east and further to the west but the thing is the east here they sit a bit higher up and it's probably because um, there is a possibility that a little fracture of Greenland sits underneath mm. the east Uh, and could also be the main reason why we have an island here so it's having this little fracture sort of helped with building up the volcanism and then a chain reaction occurred so I'm also looking into if the magmas in Örevig are contaminated with maybe this little fracture okay so yeah I guess uh, when the North Atlantic was splitting up between because like Greenland and Norway, they were like a puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't really a seamless split. So uh, Jan Mayen, for example, is sitting on a little fracture too. Okay, fascinating. So like a microcontinent. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's pretty but cool. The, we don't see that in the West. That's just a pile of lava flows on top of each other, like a cake. Okay. Pretty fascinating. and. Do you have favorites, a favorite place or places in Iceland that just kind of make you super excited when you're there, when you know you're going to go there? Oh, there's so many. Um, it depends on my mood. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I want to look at the old stuff in the east. And uh, yeah, I like the highlands a lot because you're just by yourself pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and some remote areas. Where you need a very big jeep to get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm also a big fan of the Highlands, and it's also like yeah. when I saw your stories recently, and there's even less people because it's you know not a lot of tourists. So you did the Lögreveir, which is um, yeah an awesome and pretty famous trail here. And yeah, it was just nice when you were like walking around. I was like, wow, there's nobody around, or at least it seemed that way. I mean, it was that? Yeah, how it, it was seemed, but it, it was 
still I was surprised though how many foreigners there were but okay I mean we were taking it slow so a lot just passed by okay but yeah and a lot of Icelanders too they are using the opportunity now as well definitely yeah definitely way less than for example last year of course yeah Okay, and and there have been many earthquakes, and like you had mentioned, some magma buildup happening around different volcanoes around the country. And I know it's impossible to know, right, <laughs> when there will be another eruption. But I'm, but there is an assumption that there will happen. There will possibly happen uh, one soon. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I'm always saying okay soon, but then soon happens, and you're like okay soonish, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely Grimsvot in uh, Vatnajökull, like okay. within the ice cap. Uh, it's time for that one to go off because, uh, well, it's a quite complicated volcano. It has very shallow magmatism. So mm-hmm. magma, the magma chamber is very shallow at two kilometers, which is shallow. So there's a lot of geothermal heat, which means it melts the ice above it. And the volcano is like a bowl, so that bowl eventually fills up with water because the ice has melted. So there's always a lake in the volcano. Uh, And as soon as that's filled up, we get a glacial outburst flood, or Jökulhlaup, as it Mm -hmm. is called. Uh, And once all that volume is gone, it's easy for magma to get triggered because it's very pressure sensitive. Okay. So there's a possibility that as soon as we get the flood, we have to be alert uh, regarding an eruption. So I think that will go off soon, August, September, maybe, because the summer melt has been a lot on the glacier too. Yeah. So we never know. Will there, is there the assumption that this will cause a lot of damage in the area? Like, I don't know, the, in terms of Grimsvot, I'm not exactly familiar about how close it's located. No, to- not really. Yeah, it's very far from everything, but the ring road in the southeast might get uh, disrupted, and it might take down some bridges too. Okay. But it will be closed off probably as soon as it happens. Yeah. So we get like a, a lot of uh, time ahead, a few hours or so. Yeah. But yeah, okay. if if there are like people in the area just hiking around, yeah. no cell service, that's kind of problematic. Yeah, definitely. I've heard that people say about Katla potentially mm. and you know it's just like yeah or, um yeah that that's always the most interesting to me is if something happens like in the Vik area and how mm. detrimental it would be to that community right yeah so, yeah but it, it's possible right <laughs> at some point that this will happen I don't know what Katla is up to she is just changing her behavior and she should have gone off a long time ago. Yeah. I think what's happening in, is that the magma underneath Katla is degassing a lot, mm. uh, which is then you take away the explosiveness of the magma. Okay. So eventually we might get um, like a dome, it's called. Um, it's like a slow process of an eruption. You can barely see it. Okay. It's it is what caused the uh, flank of Mount Saint Helens in the US to oh, slide off. Okay. It's like a little. It's it's like a pimple growing underneath. <laughs> very uh, very visual. <laughs> yeah. So as long as you don't like, you know, put too much pressure on it from the outside, maybe it'll be okay. Yeah. He's just being a teenager with. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I mentioned your Instagram account before, and I'm curious about what made, what inspired you to start it? Because like I mentioned, like geology for some people who had been introduced to it, maybe with not as enthusiastic uh, teacher as you, as you had, might initially yeah. think of geology as being like boring, but you totally yeah. make it fun. So I'm just kind of curious, like what Thanks. was your thought process behind when you started your Instagram account? Well, it's been, uh, I have had this idea for quite a while and I made the account, but I never like started because like I take so much pictures and drone videos and I have a bunch of content that I'm just like not doing anything with. Yeah. Uh, I was I was going to do some industry around it, sell posters or something. Yeah. Uh, but then I was like, okay, let's just try out this Instagram because uh, I mean, there's a lot of Instagrammers that are taking a bunch of nice photos, but I wanted to have it slightly different, you know, more educational based so yeah it's like a mixture of all kinds adventure photography geology and me in between (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and i think it's working really well i mean just from my perspective um how has the response been yeah no problem how has the response been for you after you started and you've been posting and in your stories like a lot of positive feedback people are saying that I'm inspiring them and that they want to continue to do geology and uh, just like yeah I get a lot of a lot of uh, questions in my inbox and and comments that I take sometimes quite a while for me to answer yeah. but like I have it's it's so nice how good feedback I get yeah that's awesome and cuz it's obvious that you put a lot of work into this so yeah, it's, yeah. it's very nice that you're doing that. And I think it's also at the same time, awesome that people are responding so well to it. I mean, I've seen you, like your growth and it's great because I think that's just, like I mentioned, one of those topics that it just kind of gets swept under like the not interesting pile when it's not fair because it's just literally presentation and, and engagement with people is what's needed in order to like get them, yeah. spark their interest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's been growing quite a lot, and um, I, I, I don't want to post too often. I, I like more posting and putting like a lot of effort in one post. Mm-hmm. But um, like in the beginning, I posted every day. Then it was like every other day, and now it's like every other way day or maybe once a week. It just mm-hmm. depends on how much uh, work I have because I don't want it to like overtake what I'm doing. I, I still need to work on my PhD. But I sort of like schedule um, when I'm posting and then like, okay, now I'm going to make that text. So like I try to think a little ahead of time so it's not like consuming my life. Yeah, definitely. And on your page, I keep alluding to it, but your Instagram account for anyone who is interested to check it out, which I highly recommend, is Geology with Helga. And on your page, you often have pictures of you in an astronaut suit. And <laughs> I, which is, it's awesome, right? But I'm just so curious yeah. about what the story is behind the astronaut suit. Yeah, so exactly one year ago, me and a team uh, from the recently established Iceland Space Agency, we went up on the Vatnajökull ice cap mm-hmm. to stay in Grimsvöld, the volcano I was talking about oh. earlier. And we stayed there for more than a week. 
Uh, we had three modified jeeps, uh, one carrying the astronaut suit. Okay. And then I was driving also, so like um, it was quite intense driving across the whole ice cap. Yeah, wow. So we were testing out the spacesuit based on how the astronauts on Mars would perform geological research. So this is the like analog astronaut suit from uh, RISD, Rhode Island School of Design. Okay. Where Michael Lai, or Professor Michael Lai, he's the designer of the suit and he was with us. Okay. He's working with NASA. So this is the suit that is going to go on the first manned mission to Mars. Nice. So you have like a separate suit like in space, but this is supposed to be on the surface of Mars. So it needs to be tested out in all kinds of scenarios. So we were on the glacier. I was pretty much doing what I was, would do in the field. Right, okay. And there were a lot of pros and cons that came along, you know, useful information based on that. So yeah, it was quite adventurous. That's awesome. It was exactly a one year ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> and I'm how did you, you just connected with this space agency or newly developed um, yeah, organization? Yeah, we, we had mutual friends uh, and uh, we've been working on other projects. Um, so yeah, just it was just a snowball effect from all kinds of direction how I got into this. And uh, yeah, a, a geologist was needed. I'm also a driver, volcanologist, of course. So it was like based on volcanic research. So yeah, yeah. I ticked in all the boxes. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and representation of female astronaut suits, yeah. Iceland, like all these young, things. Young female, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a, a lot of boxes. <laughs> and they're just they're really stunning photos i love them so thanks yeah it's one of those things you're like Quite oh yeah right you're like i want to be an astronaut <laughs> or at least i want to try on the suit <laughs> like it's i think that's another thing about the platform that is so great is because you take a lot of photos visually people are kind of getting like these really fascinating shots and then as you're doing mm. all this work in the background the information behind it because yeah, I, I enjoy Instagram, but most of the time it's like, oh, that's a really nice photo, but I don't understand anything of what, why is that river, you know, that color or what's happening in, you know, this rock mm. formation or something like that. So it's yeah, nice exactly. to get that background. Yeah, and I, of course, write a lot of text, but a lot of people just scroll and double tap, scroll yeah. and double tap. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really taking their time in reading, which is nice, but I often... I tried to mix the posts so I have one big text and then the next day is just like a small paragraph and then the next day maybe some geology but not as intense so it's like I'm not flooding the page with just essays all yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay and I'm just gonna go back yeah. to a second for a second to your trip to Lauerweger because Yo. I saw that you did it with your boyfriend and your adorable dog, Mo Berg. Yes. And <laughs> which is, I think it's also fascinating that you, you know, were able to take your pet with you. Yeah. The crazy thing. I mean, not that this was that surprising to me, but still it was, you know, kind of crazy to see it is that I think it was your first or second night. It was mm. super cold, <laughs> like snow it was and like windy. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no. And you're camping. It was, like, it was the first night. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was like way to start off, you know, like your trip. But it looked like it got better um, after, you know, that night. Yeah. And I was just wondering, like, when you're going uh, around hiking or trekking somewhere, 
because you were explaining a lot about the landscape, which was helpful. Mm. And are you normally just talking about these things? And now it's like, okay, I have an audience to talk to because maybe like your boyfriend's like, yes, thank you <laughs> for like pointing out this unique rock formation. But now you get to share it with so many other people. It's just kind of like your normal thing you would do if, there, if you weren't using social media. Well, he's a geologist too. So we're ah, just okay. basically just discussing things uh, like um, maybe we, we don't need to go in depth. We're just like, oh, look at that. That's probably because of that. And yeah, we're like, okay. yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, I'm what I'm saying uh, in my stories. I'm usually just thinking. Yeah. Either way, but quicker or like I analyze this, and that means that is over there, or, and then I'm like, oh yeah, it's over there too. La la la. Done. You know, and then I carry on. <laughs> yeah. Like you're constantly reading the landscape as you go. So uh, yeah, I decided just to maybe just explain a few things I were was observing. Yeah. Uh, in the camera so yeah yeah yeah, definitely. yeah that first night was quite intense because the backpacks were of course the heaviest it was yeah. all uphill and we were going up to 1200 meters above sea level yeah uh, and as soon as we got there this intense snowstorm just hit us when we were tenting and we were like what is this <laughs> and it just continued the whole night until eight in the morning oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. was gonna go and the tent actually ripped a little bit because Ooh. of it oh no yeah it, yeah, it didn't fine. look pleasant but it is part of the adventure of going into the yeah, island definitely. So, yeah i like that it happened because it's just like a fun memory and a good story too so mm -hmm. and it gives people this had sun yeah. yeah sorry go ahead if we just would have had sun and no still wind it wouldn't be fun to say at, uh, afterwards you know <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh, yeah it also gives people more of a realistic idea because i think that mm. most some of the time it's often like in the summertime you're assuming oh, okay it's warmer it'll be fine but in the highlands like almost anything is possible and especially at that yeah. level, at that elevation, so. It's so unpredictable. And especially because of COVID, weather is even more unpredictable here in Iceland because we need a lot of airplanes in the air to make the forecast model more detailed. Mm. So that's why predictions this summer have been out of the map. So that huh. wasn't supposed to happen. The wind should have gone down in the evening but it just increased. So uh, the day after forecast is usually wrong because we need planes in the air to sort of construct and fine tune the model. So oh, that's the reason. That is fascinating. We have, we have one fourth of planes we need, Yeah, I think. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it affects the, the forecast that's supposed to come the day after, but the sort of few days in is usually okay but uh, okay. yeah okay that is interesting I, I wouldn't have even thought about that connection so that's adding on another level of like of yeah. explanation about things okay mm -hmm. and my Hello. yeah my last question for you is kind of one that i ask everybody and yours might you can make it specific to geology or just life in general it's up to you but what is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase? Favorite Icelandic word? Well, I have a few words that I really like, but it's like different 
þín svo hundslappadrífa and skamfrenningur related to weather but also just oh what was that word I was thinking about it earlier this week like oh I really like that word I love the nature words and bergmál too which is echo and translate into rock language like because if you are yelling uh, in nature, you the echo bounces back on the mountains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I like that word. Yeah. Hunt lapadriva. Uh, it means dog's paw snow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. snowflakes the size of a dog's paw. Ah, okay. <laughs> Which I don't know if yeah. I've ever actually seen. <laughs> like meaning, like I don't know if I, I don't have a dog, so. I've not had, you know, the opportunity to <laughs> They're just big snowflakes. They yeah. usually fall if it's like no wind, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then the, the other word that you said um, after that one. Skavreningur. Yeah. What does that mean? That's when you have this uh, snow, like running sideways on the road. It's like a veil or like a ghost. Mm. It's, it's when it's icy on the road and snowing and it's like very cold and windy and the snow is sort of like playing like a veil on the road you know, okay it's creepy but yeah creepy. it's beautiful though for sure yeah yeah but the, you know it's very cold outside but you're like you're in the car like Ugh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right Helga well for people that want to follow you i'm guessing is instagram how geology with Helga the best place yeah i would say so okay great. i haven't really expanded elsewhere but i might do in the future you know yeah maybe well they can always documentary series about geology or something yeah that'd be awesome i think rube yeah. should pick this up <laughs> so. they should <laughs> <laughs> well the more you put it out into the atmosphere Maybe if you echo it off the rocks, it will get to it. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> yeah, I just said it out loud now. So like, yeah. <laughs> you never know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, d- I recommend for sure to check out Geology with Helga. As I mentioned, I learn a lot from you. And especially when, yeah, my, well, thank you I mean, for, for starting it because it's given so much Aww. more clarity for people like myself who aren't familiar with earthquakes mm-hmm. and, you know, um, magma and, the, and immediately you just get a little bit fearful, but it's nice to kind of get some uh-huh. ideas about what's going on. And then, you know, if it happens, it happens, such as life. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll be on the location. Yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> waiting for an eruption. <laughs> exactly. So I recommend checking her out and I appreciate you taking your time to talk to us about this topic that you love and have made so interesting. Thanks. Glad you like it. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me today. My pleasure.